This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, this is John in Seattle. And when I'm not telling terrible dad jokes to anyone who will listen, I'm Stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome, stackers. And just in time, today is National uh, Napping Day. And uh, you, you just caught me celebrating. But let's get into this. What happens when you realize your life might not be going the way you thought? What if you found out you've been diagnosed with a terminal disease? Would that change your priorities? Today, we welcome a woman who's been through the gauntlet, the host of the Mom is in Control podcast, Heather Chauvine. Plus, are you thinking about buying gold because of the volatility in the stock market? We'll cover why that might not be a great idea. And of course, you'll get some of my famous sleep-themed trivia. And now, two guys who can really use a nap since they're always grumpy, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I'm never grumpy. Doug. Take that, Doug. But I know a guy across the table from me who's grumpy. Welcome to Wednesday. We just uh, call him grumpy, like the seven dwarves. Instead of the seven dwarves, we have like the two podcasters, happy and grumpy. Across the table from me, the grumpy of the show, Mr. OG. Why do I have to be grumpy? You don't have to be. I'm not at all grumpy. I used to be. OG, I'm not grumpy at all anymore. You choose to be you choose your reactions, as mom says. Remember when she said that last week? I, choo- I choose happiness. You choose how to react. Like when you didn't get enough macaroni and cheese. Remember that? And you threw that horrible tantrum. Well, you know, Doug doesn't get two scoops and I get one. See, there you go. You choose just, how you react, my friend. Yes. It's got to be fair. I wonder if there were a master class on that. Big thanks to Master Cheese. <laughs> there is. I'm the helping. Thomas is. Keller teaches you how to make mac and cheese <sighs> out of your mind. Just, just. Or Gordon Ramsay or somebody does. Deliciousness. Thanks to Masterclass for supporting Stacking Benjamins. I actually this morning was watching a Masterclass video. You can find hundreds of video lessons from today's most brilliant minds available anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, desktop, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire TV. Get 15% off your annual all-access pass at masterclass.com forward slash stacking. Those are so good. I was watching uh, Steve Martin this morning talking about how he creates comedy. He talked about timing 
And he talked about a story that Carol Burnett, who a fantastic comedian, of course, in her own right, Carol Burnett says, you know what the key to good comedy is, OG? Timing. I knew that was coming. That's why I dragged it out. (laughs) So so great. Uh, We've got a great show time for you today because Heather Chauvin is upstairs talking to mom. She's coming down to the basement. This woman, stage four cancer. And not unbelievably, it changed her worldview and the whole hustle and grind thing. She's not a fan, OG. Not a not a big fan. She's much more about alignment. Today we're going to talk about aligning your money, your goals, your priorities with Heather. But first we got some great headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Investment News. I don't know if you've seen this the last few weeks, OG. There was some volatility in this market. I don't know if you saw that. Nope, didn't pay attention. Why? What happened? Uh, Don't run to gold and other advice for pandemic volatility. This was written by Emil Halaz. As U.S. investors panicked amid global reports of a wider outbreak of the coronavirus, financial advisors urged their clients to avoid reacting negatively to the market dip. You should react positively to it. Hooray! (laughs) It just, it drives me crazy. More new cases of infection reported outside China included uh, some in the U.S. Center for Disease Control Prevention warned the public to prepare for a widespread contagion within the U.S. Market tumbled, as we all know. Advisor Paul Schatz, president of Heritage Capital, said he has tried to prepare clients for months for volatility because of that. Hear from only a few people after the market drop. But for anyone thinking rebalancing, Mr. Schatz had one piece of advice. If you weren't smart enough to take defensive measures Before this, don't react. Certainly don't run to gold right now. He said people are going to look for safe havens. Advisors told clients to sit tight at least until the market recovers. Okay, we can go into this. It's basically the same stuff that we've said a billion times. Everybody knows what we're going to say there. Let's begin though, OG. It's amazing whenever the market drops, whether it's one day, two days, two weeks, two months, whatever it is, some of the baloney, to put it nicely, that I see in social media groups, amazing. Just amazes me, some of the things. First of all, let's start with this one, OG. I want to tee up this one. How should I react to this? I think it's really funny. When you put things in context of time, where the price of the market or your stock or brokerage account or whatever, what it's worth today compared to what it's what it was worth some previous time. Now, what we always latch on to is that high watermark. And in December, were you complaining about the price of your stock or the price of your portfolio or the value of your portfolio? Of course not. What happens if it goes all the way back to a year ago? Oh, my God, the horror. It was fine a year ago to put money in when it was at the same price or six weeks ago. Why is it not okay today? Why all of a sudden do you have to go like, oh, what? I only have $100,000? I need to do something. It's like, well, but you had $100,000 six months ago. You didn't. You were on the other side of that curve. You thought, hey, this is great. There are only a few truisms that you and I trade in. Usually, usually we're more about individual financial plan. But here's one. How about if I throw this one across the table at you? If your question involves the word react, you're already thinking about it wrong. You should never react when it comes to your money? Well, just think about the way that that word is set up. 
action backward, right? Like act back, react. That's kind of what that means, right? I want to do an action again. So you have different information now, and now you want to react. Great investors just act. We have a plan that we work off of. And every analogy you can think of, you know, it's springtime here in Texas. We've got some landscapers coming to put in flowers and we're putting some trees in the backyard. And I guarantee he doesn't even have to tell me, Hey, OG, don't pull the tree up out of the ground in six weeks from now to see if it's taken root. It's got to stay in the ground. It's like, well, but how do I know it's taking root? It just takes root. <laughs> you know, when I plant stuff in my garden, you don't pull it up every three days and go, is this thing growing? Is this thing growing? Of course not. Now we do it with our houses. We can have Zillow. But before, when did you figure out the value of your house? When you sold it, you know? So it feels like kind of beating a dead horse of like talking about this, right? Like just leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. But every time the market goes down, it's the same stuff. There's a new crop of people who don't understand this. And it just is frustrating. I'm waiting for like the big number to come down. Like let's start talking when we get a 30% market decline. Let's try that on for size. Well, here's the the bigger thing overall. Um, there's somebody yelling at their device right now. So what should I do? Number one, start with an investment policy statement. It's funny how many people say, yeah, I don't like having smart people in my corner uh, when it comes to my money. I'm, I'm smart enough. I can do this all by myself. And then they blow up their stuff. And I'm not saying that you're not smart enough to do it yourself. But if you are doing it yourself, we've talked to you several times about investment policy statements. Good Financial advisors have investment policies. It's what they use to manage money. It is the prospectus. It's the guide. It's everything about what they do ahead of time in a non-emotional state, how they diversify, how they realign, what they're going to do defensively, what they're not going to do. It's all in writing. And then they work the machinery if you have an investment policy statement, you know what you don't do? You don't say, how do I react to this? You don't say it because there is no yeah. such thing. There is no such thing. Well, I mean, part of the benefit of a disinterested third party, I suppose, but you can do this on your own. Also, if you think about your money and you think about your goals like a separate business, right? Imagine yourself sitting on the board at the community foundation, and you and 11 of your friends are in charge of the direction of this $200 million endowment, or you're on the board of your school. Like, do you think maybe you have some rules in place for how do we make decisions on investing or what's the maximum uh, percentage of the portfolio we will have in any single position or single issue or allocation look like? What's our expectation from a return standpoint? What's our tolerance from a variability perspective? You know, what are we okay with? How often do we review it? How often do we make changes? Of course, you wouldn't just walk into the foundation board meeting, you know, and be like, I don't know, let's just buy some of that and buy some of that and we'll trade some of this. And you have some direction, you have, you have rules. Everything in life revolves around this. You know, God forbid I use a plane analogy, but you got checklists, you got, you know, you have to follow a certain thing. You have to do it a certain way every time. And it's all for a great reason. So, yeah. so you don't f 
fucked up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Two phrases I hate on social media or anywhere. Run, number one. And number two, back the truck up. I don't like either one of those either, and I'll tell you why. I don't like people that run because, and not because running is the wrong move, by the way. People, when somebody says, hey, I'm thinking about getting out, you'll get a bunch of people going, no, man, don't do that. Back the truck up. No, 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 no. We don't know. You you and I have been around a little while. 2000 to 2002 and 2007, 2008. I'll tell you the problem with back the truck up, guys. You don't know how long this is going to go. You have no idea. And if you're buying on day one or day two of a market downturn or the first week, I'll tell you, it can go down for a year. It can go down for two years. It can go down for four years. You have no idea. So that means the emotion that you have when you think about running, it ain't wrong. That emotion is fine. However, in your soul, absolutely. When you see a big bad bear on your on your running track, you don't just go back up. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Me, I'm, I'm going to run right toward him. Let me know. <laughs> instinctively, you go, oh, I got a yikes. I got to go the other way. This <laughs> is know? why you just stick with the plan. You don't back the truck up and buy more on day two. You also don't run. Now, run. I think I explained why you don't back the truck up. But run is another emotion that you just, you have to, it's okay to feel it. It's bad to act on it because your ability to be right twice is damn near zero. You're not going to pick the right day to run. And then I'll tell you, because I've been on the other side of this fence already, and I had clients that talked me into this before, and it always went badly. You feel differently once your money's out of the market. And you will consistently talk yourself out of getting back in at what definitely looks like the right time. And sometimes in hindsight was, but because the money's in what you think is a quote safe place, you don't make the same moves as you do when you're already fully invested. You don't. It's like, I don't mind these sites where you, you pretend stock trade with fake money. I've done that myself. I'll tell you, I make a lot different moves when there's real money in the game than I do when I'm playing with my fake account. Fake accounts mm-hmm. are fantastic to learn how it works, how the buttons it's work. Like playing, goes it's on. like playing blackjack on your iPhone or blackjack in the casino. On your iPhone, you're like, yeah, million dollars a hand. Let's make it rain. Gun. Oh, I'm out of money. Just go back to the bank. Yes. <laughs> go, right? go in the casino, you're like, I will play a dollar and I lost. Okay, sorry. I'm out of here. Let's leave. Let's just go have dinner. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, and we're out. Don't don't run because you're not going to make good moves and they're all going to be emotional. Don't back the truck up. Have an investment policy statement and stick to it. Let's let's stick to it, peeps. Our next headline comes to us from The Verge. Uh, this is written by Jay Peters. Jeff Bezos, you might have seen this OG, commits $10 billion dollars. To call him JB. Yeah. <laughs> you're good. You're good buddy, JB, uh, to fight climate change. Bezos Earth Fund is going to begin issuing grants this summer. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos announced he'll be committing $10 billion to fight climate change through a new fund called the Bezos Earth Fund. He announced the new fund in a post on Instagram. Amazon confirmed the existence of the fund. Bezos said the money be used to help scientists, activists, NGOs, and any effort that offers a real possibility to help preserve the earth. From the impact of climate change. Anyway, uh, we will link to this in our show notes page. 
think the only reason I want to bring this up is because these lines that we talked about a few weeks ago between ESG investing and, quote, good investments being even further blurred, right? I mean, Amazon's had a hell of a track record in the stock market. Bezos now doing his part on the climate change front. The world- well, It sounds a lot like, you know, did you see that Netflix special with Bill Gates? Yes. Like uh, becoming Bill Gates or something Bill's like that? Bill's brain. Bill's brain, yeah, sure. Something, something like that, that yeah. If only there something were, about Bill Gates. If only there were a device money. where we could look that up, that would be yeah, very helpful. Just type in Bill Gates and money. And I did. Uh, episode one it. I watched, and I need to get back to it because I found it incredibly yeah. fascinating. I wonder if this is what Bezos will be doing as well. You know, spending time thinking about it from the perspective of innovation and thinking about solving problems as opposed to, you know, we see we see a lot of stuff, and I think we all get a little cynical, you know, and it's like, I'm going to, you know, throw $10 at insert charity here. And, you know, you look up the charity and name 92% of it goes to the administrative operation of the charity. Cup, yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the administrators or whatever. And you just kind of go, well, you know, what kind of difference is this really doing? I think Bill Gates's approach was we're going to take one thing and then we're just going to just keep on putting our thumb on that until we figure out something that works. And since he has a ton of money, he can devote a lot of resources to it to approach it from the innovation standpoint. The part that I watched was it was something about uh, toilets or something. Yeah. He took that water that had been feces and drank it. Yeah. That's the thing. Whew, that's, that's, hope we got his shots. But the idea was, hey, yeah, why don't we just give everybody toilets. It's like, well, we can't because that requires infrastructure and it requires sewage treatment plants and it requires, you know, capital, huge capital intensive projects. And PS, it takes 30 years to do. He's like, I want to solve this now. And so he kept on like whittling it down to, you know, something like here's a device that can literally fund itself, right? It, it composts the, the waste. It takes the drinking water back out of it and purifies it. So it's kind of refreshing itself. It destroys the waste in a, a tolerable format. You know, I don't remember all the details. That's the stuff that I get kind of excited about is using, using the resources that you have in Bill Gates's case is around, um, you know, his ability to kind of think in terms of innovation. MIT, and he's got yeah. MIT published a thing just a couple of weeks ago about nine megatrends that we'll see in 2030. So just projecting 10 years away. And it's interesting, the professors at MIT talking about not just climate change, OG, but about how companies increasingly taking the lead. And so this idea of investing in things where profit meets a challenge that people are facing, whether it's in transportation, it's in climate change, they talk about the problem that, you know, uh, came up at the end of the big short where we're going to increasingly have problems with drinking water, where there's companies specifically going, I think we can solve this problem and we can do it for a profit. That's that's what excites me. Anytime that you can use intellectual capital and actual capital in a good way together, I don't think anybody would be upset if we figured out how to... Uh, just take something that's already kind of out there. If we figured out how to very cheaply power our homes using solar and somebody made some money doing it. Oh, I draw the line there. I don't. I yeah. Don't. That's, <laughs> well, easy, know. buddy. I well, like, I mean, that's, that's I like my like gas Tesla lamps. Or something. What's that? Right. 
Yeah, my gas lamps. <laughs> as, as long as it's coal powered, where you have to like shovel the coal into it, and that's you light the kerosene, and there's that big black smoke that comes out. If of I it. could do that in my house, that well, you do. You have that big like ring of fire out in the backyard that you light every day. I like the smell the, with the star inside of it. It's really weird. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> You guys all dress up in your bathrobes and go outside. It's, it's so, I think you've been watching too much Sabrina on Netflix, but anyway. <laughs> Sabrina, exactly. <laughs> I think you have. Uh, I probably. I look out the window and, I, and I, that's what I see. <laughs> hey, use your money for good, people. I think the lesson there, that's number one. Use your money for good. Number two is run. And hide. No. Oh. <laughs> run. No. Back up the truck. No. Investment policy statement. Shelter in place. That's what we can do. We can't run and we can't back the truck up, but we can shelter in place. Amen, brother. Heather Chauvine not only has a fantastic podcast called Mom is in Control, she also has a fantastic community. She just put on an event here in Detroit where women from around the world joined her uh, to talk about empowerment and realignment. Heather is somebody who, and I'm going to ask her a lot of questions about this, found out that she had cancer at a time when it was in stage four. And I don't know if you know this, OG, I'm going to spoil this a little bit. There is no stage five. Oh, yikes. So, Heather, interesting. Okay. Heather has a fantastic story that is much more about alignment than it is about hustle and grind. Let's say hello to Heather Showbine coming down to the basement. And here she is. Heather Chauvin is here. How are you? Hello. I'm so excited. This I, is fun. I'm super excited that I got to meet you because you have one heck of a story. I do. I'm excited to share it. I just rolled up to your house and was like, am I here? Is this where I'm going? What, what's happening? You kind of hear that you're coming to a dude's mom's basement. It sounds kind of a little creepy, it but then you legit. get here. It was legit. It's not bad, but we are. People sometimes wonder if the basement's real. We're in the basement. Mm-hmm. And this is a rickety card table. Yep, this is true. We, we don't lie, people. We do not lie. I want to ask you about a date. I have no idea where I was this date, but you know exactly where you were. December 13th, 2013. Mm -hmm. Start us there. Okay. So it was actually December 21st. Oh. And I was like, what did he hear about on the 13th? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But December 21st, 2013 was the day... I wouldn't say my life changed, but when everything really opened up for me, that was the day I was diagnosed with cancer, which was a, the creepy thing is, I knew it. I knew I was sick. You were too busy. Yeah. I bought into this cultural expectation, not cultural expectation, but cultural conversation that women have and men, right? Humans, 
that if we are not busy, overwhelmed, chronically fatigued, we're not successful, we're not doing it right. And so I bought right into that. And I knew something was off. Like, you know, we get those aches and pains and scratches and like, "Mm, this doesn't feel right. And what do you say to yourself? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I did that for a very long time until it blew up in my face. When did you finally go see a doctor? Was it that day? I actually went probably about a few days before. My abdomen was swollen. I saw that. By the way, there's a TEDx video on your site that we'll link to. and We're actually going to play a clip from later. But it looks like, and you joke about in your TEDx talk, that it looks like you're pregnant and you're not pregnant. No. Even looking back at that photo, I just, I cannot believe how much denial I was in, but my abdomen was swollen and then it started to grow really rapidly. So when I first went in, I went to a local clinic because I'm like, if there's anybody waiting, I'm not going in. This needs to be quick. This needs to be in, out. Like, I don't have time for this. So my abdomen was swollen. I thought, oh, geez, I'm one of those people. I have a gluten allergy or something. I'm like, (laughs) dang, oh, my gosh, I'm becoming that person. And I went in and they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just swollen. And she was pressing on me. She's like, does it hurt? But their face was like, if this gets worse, you need to go to the emergency room. Oh. And I thought, okay, whatever. Like, you don't know what's wrong with me either. Here we go. The pain got worse. I started having night sweats. I started, I was losing more weight. My abdomen kept swelling. And my husband said to me, this is awful. My husband was like, you need to go to the emergency room. So I was like, okay, fine. Get to the emergency room. Still, I'm in the waiting room and I'm looking at everybody else thinking, I don't deserve to be here. I am wasting my time. I'm wasting their time. Look at these people. They're really sick. I'm not. I'm just a little uncomfortable. Still in denial. You're thinking you're Canadian. Yeah. You're thinking too much Tim Hortons. Yes. You know, I didn't know what it was. My youngest, so I have three boys. They're 15, 10, and 7. The youngest was a year old. So I was still breastfeeding and my body, like I was so disconnected from myself. And I thought, I don't know, maybe it's baby weight. I had no idea. But in the back of my mind, I knew there was something more. So I left. I left the emergency room. They called me hours later and said, like, Heather, where are you? Because they will call you if they leave because they think you died in the bathroom or something. And the next day, my husband drove me to the hospital because he wasn't with me the first time. He said, we're not leaving until somebody looks at you. And even then, I was still in denial of how sick I was and went in. They did a CT of my abdomen. First of all, when I checked in at the hospital, he said, oh, triage is upstairs if you're pregnant, right? Right. I'm like, that's the issue. I'm not pregnant. And they looked at me and I was like, oh, this might be bad. People are now starting to think that I look pregnant. And I'm surprised you're you're so nonchalant about it. You've, you've already said two or three different people mm-hmm. have looked at you and they've given you the eyes, yeah. right? The, oh my goodness, eyes. And yeah. you're just, nope. Yeah, I, I guess I, w- I don't know. It's been six plus years. It's amazing how your body and your mind just copes with trauma. And so I'm just trucking along. So my husband, we got in there. They did a CT of my abdomen and blood work. And they were taking a really long time to come back. And when they did, she looked at me and she's like, you have cancer. And I thought, I knew. I knew. Like my first gut instinct was, 
I knew I was sick. I knew I had cancer. My second thought was, I'm going to die. And then I looked at my husband and he broke down. And of course, I just was like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're trying to take care of his emotion. Yep. You begin to see really quickly how you've positioned yourself in relationships and in your life. That when you're the one that should be falling apart, all of a sudden you realize you're lifting everybody else up. I learned so much about myself throughout that process. The learning began there, but it sounds like over the next several weeks, you started just reevaluating everything. Mm -hmm. What was the first really big aha that you had that still really carries over to who you are today? I'm smiling and when I want to laugh because I'm like, which one do I pick? Well, and actually, even before we get to that, I'll give you a second because I do have a different question, which is in the open to your show, Mom is in Control, which we'll talk about again a little bit, a little bit later. And I'm laughing because... It's great SEO, by the way. I always ask people how they found me and they say Mom and Control. <laughs> but if you're referring to the other website... Is that what you're referring to? No. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I don't know the other website. So if you go, I don't even know if I can say this, so it might get edited out. But if There's you go, just a different website. If you, Yes. If you add an S to moms, it takes you in a completely different direction. That's all I, I've been told. I get emails about this. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Heather, by the way, if you add an S to moms in control... It's a completely different demographic. I don't even want to ask you how often you have to tell people they're in the wrong place. I know. I've been trying to get the URL, but it's, it's, not, it's not worth the investment. <laughs> Maybe not. So, uh, uh, see, that just completely, completely ruined, ruined I my train of thought. But you say in the open of your show, a lot of the time, you say, I don't like the term cancer survivor. Mm -hmm. How come? It's like... Everyone has their story, right? Everyone walking around has had their own challenges and battles and their own story. And all of a sudden, when you say cancer survivor, people see you differently. But also, I feel like, one, I didn't battle anything. Like, I wasn't up for a fight. And I've lost friends to cancer. So what did I actually survive? So it was a disease that came into my life. And I was lucky enough, privileged enough to, one, have the resources to be able to, I mean, I live in a country where we are, I live in Canada, have the resources, you know, in our healthcare system to do that, but also extended financial resources to be able to say, okay, what's next? Why did this happen to me and take care of my body? And I know lots of people who have gone through this and I feel like there's so much shame behind it too of like, like, so did I not, if I didn't survive or someone didn't survive, did they fail? Yeah, it's just really heated. There's like so too, much behind it. Too reductionist. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. So first, first big aha, because you had journals all over the house, you said. Your husband's cleaning up journals all the time because you're writing stuff down now. Yeah. All these big life thoughts all the time. First aha moment was energy, really observing how people showed up. I mean, I had lots of aha moments. But one of the big ones, especially the one that's coming to me right now is people. And I didn't care anymore. That fear of judgment that we have, right? Like, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? I was so committed to living that when someone would call me and their energy was like, how are you? And they were really like, you're going to die. I'm like, you're out off. I only surrounded myself with people who made me feel really good, who had this positive, empowering energy behind them of like, you've got this, rather than those that wanted to bring me down. It's interesting you're talking about this now 
because I was just listening to an episode from a few weeks ago. This is from episode 668. People can tell when you're doing the work. Let's listen in to Heather talking about this very topic. Was different than any other speaking I've had to do. It was an inspirational talk, but it was short and sweet where I was telling a story about reinvention. And it was a competition, and I got second place out of 10 people. And so it came back, and I couldn't watch it. I still can't watch it. When I started to listen to myself, the vibe that I was getting was that I was an imposter, that imposter syndrome. This is a real thing. And I used to look up to people, or I still do, but people like mentors, people that I looked up to that I thought, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. And got into closer circles with these people, realizing that they feel like an imposter all the time. They don't feel good enough or they don't feel ready, but they do it anyways. And so this is why I love having the right community around you, holding myself accountable to honest people. Because when you're surrounding yourself with honest people, they give you honest feedback. And these are people that you respect their feedback. So you know that they're not going to steer you in the wrong direction and that they're not a people pleaser. So they're not be like, oh my gosh, honey, it looks so great. I'm so proud of you. No, they're like, that sucked or that was awesome. Do you know Gordon Ramsay? Yes. yes. I, I love when I know somebody's in my corner, I love having Gordon Ramsay type people behind me. As long as I know that their suggestion is full of love, that listen, Joe, you just laid an egg back there. Like that was, that was the worst thing you could have ever done. That joke was not funny. You shouldn't ever tell that again in a room. Like well, that's surrounding horrible. yourself with those honest people, you need them, especially when you are an individual who is chronically working on yourself to up level or you have goals and dreams and you want to go for it. It gets really uncomfortable and scary. And to have the people that are solid around you, like, you got this, you're headed in the right direction, or you are not headed in the right direction. Like, what did you do? You need those people because they need to be able to hold the belief for you when you don't hold it yourself. It's funny. One of the first things you do then is you start evaluating your relationships mm -hmm. and which relationships really are meaningful and uplifting and which ones are, are, are tearing you down. Did you have discussions with people about that or did you just, did people kind of, you know, you ghosted them a little bit and just kind of let some people go? Well, the interesting part was I realized how much I was holding for other people. Too often, I was the person that everyone would text and that, you know, I'm having a bad day. My background is, I'm, I used to be a social worker. My background is in psychology and therapy. So I'm the friend that everybody used to go to. And I loved it, right? I love analyzing human behavior. But when you're the person that is sick and needs healing and help, all of a sudden these people are like, oh, you're not, you can't be this person for me anymore. And sometimes they don't know how to be that person for you. So I realized a lot of my relationships were one-sided, that I was giving, 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 but there was, they weren't able to reciprocate. And so it wasn't so much that I ghosted them. It was that I just changed and yeah. therefore our relationship changed. I didn't even have to ghost them because they were like, oh, I can't get that from you. Now I'm going to go do it to someone else. You mentioned in a recent episode that there's uh, some people who you've known for a long time who said that they've told you mm -hmm. that you've changed now since cancer. Like the last six years, you are a different person. There's a different spirit coming. And I think you even said in hindsight, like my spirit before was kind of shitty. Yeah. 
first of all, when someone says that, I get a little nervous at first and I'm like, what was I before? Like, how did I show up before? Right. Because like, you can really see me. It's kind of terrifying sometimes. But we see people and they're changing and evolving. And we're like, wow, we're noticing this. So, of course, my first reaction is not I'm like, oh, what do you see? What, what did you see before? But it's refreshing when people are like, I can see the work that you're doing. I can see the change. But I'm a completely different person now than I was six years ago. Now I kind of, in certain areas of my life, I feel like a lone wolf because I am just so determined. My, my I don't want to say mantra, but my theme for 2020 is how good can it get? I'm always like good feelings first and then everything else in there. My, what I call energetic time management, but what I need to do to feel amazing in my body, amazing in my mind, amazing in my life and my relationships, my money, my time, my energy, all of that goes on my calendar first and then work goes on top of that. It's not this, you know, I'm kind of, it's counterculture to how we live in society. And so because I do that, I show up differently and people are like, wow, your energy has changed. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not dying anymore. (laughs) I'm not killing myself inside to quote unquote be successful or thrive or raise children or whatever that looks like. Nothing to do with cancer. I mean, you were killing yourself before cancer. It was almost like cancer was the wake up call that I I cannot sustain this. Yeah. I remember, I mean, however deep we want to get, but previous to cancer, like even in my teens, I'm like, what's the purpose of life? Like, why am I here? Do I even need to be here? Like it, it got really deep for a while. Do you sit around listening to the cure and the Smiths? It was, it, it, you know, you're just trying to find your way and you're like, what is this? And I felt like cancer was the universe saying, okay, you don't think you have a purpose, Heather. I'm going to show you like it's, it's go time. There's no more overthinking. There's no more poor me. There's no more what ifs. It's execution time. Like you just got to take action. Now you have all the information that you need. Just go do make that smoothie, move your body, live your dreams. A lot of people listening might be wondering, so what does this have to do with money, Joe? This is the Stacky Benjamin Show. It's funny because I wanted to talk to you, Heather, because I think this has so much to do with money. Instead of us serving our work and us serving our money and us serving all this stuff, you turn that upside down and all this stuff. You started off with, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And it's funny, back when I was a financial planner, which is over a decade ago now, I remember sitting down with people and I'd say, so what do you want? And they'd say, well, I want more money. What do you hear as cancer survivor? I'll go back to that term, even though you don't love it. Mm -hmm. When you hear that, I just want more money. Mm -hmm. Well, as most people who have ever been sick, money is not going to buy health unless, what is that saying? I watch it now. My my mom just retired. She won't be listening to this um, episode, (laughs) but it's that typical mentality of like work, 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 retire. And then you're just like using all that money you save to restore your health. Right. And I see it the opposite. If you feel amazing and you're doing that, I'm more centered and focused and amazing. Therefore, all the money that I want and desire, I can still work up towards. But it's actually not the money you're after. It's the feeling. Okay, great. You want more money. What is that going to give you? It's going to give me freedom. It's going to give me space. I can travel and relax and buy more crap and do whatever I want. Okay. What is the feeling? Um, Joy, ease, peace. Great. How can you create that feeling today? 
you can still have the million dollars in your bank. You can still give to charities. You can still travel the world. And yeah, you're not going to be able maybe to do it tomorrow. But if you have a plan and you keep going for it, but if you live with that feeling every day, and it doesn't always show up every day, but if I want to feel energized and I'm not fueling my body with energizing food, if I'm not moving my body, if I'm in an environment that makes me feel gross and crappy, but oh, I still have money in the bank, right? So it's the feeling that we're after. And that literally dictates my whole life. And I think that's great because it's not, if, if, if you're unhappy now, having more money is not going to turn you into a happy person. No, and we all know people like that. So clearly that's not the way. <laughs> I want to talk about something else here that you talked about in your TEDx talk. By the way, how intimidating is it getting on a TED stage? Extremely intimidating. My husband has uh, secret footage of me having an epic tantrum <laughs> in the car the day before. And he's like, I do it before every talk. Typically, it's the day or two before. I just freak out and it's absolutely hilarious. I'm out of my mind. But yeah, it's extremely intimidating. But in hindsight, I'm like, eh, no big deal. Anyone can do it. Yeah, afterwards, you're right. Yeah, now, now that you've already done it. Uh, let's go to your TED Talk. This is a couple minutes in, and man, guys, this is something, Heather nailed something here that I've believed for a long time. We need to talk about balance, so thank you, Tina. We need to talk about balance because this is this notion that there is such thing, and it is BS, because balance equals perfection, and perfection is messy, and life is messy. So it's almost like this, this construct from the ego going like, this possible standard, and then you start to get this limiting belief inside of you of like, I am not enough. And then you walk out into your life, I am not enough, because I'm trying to get to this place of perfection. And I hear it from women all the time, I want balance. And I'm like, it doesn't exist. But there is something else you do want. All dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them, Walt Disney. But we have to be courageous enough to go after our dreams, to go after our desires, to ask ourselves, what is that little ache inside of me? What is that little voice that's constantly there trying to get my attention? There's no great place to stop that clip because you're on a tear here and it's awesome. This is torture <laughs> listening to myself, by the way. <laughs> you've, you've said that episodes too. Oh my Just God. painful. Did you see uh, recently on that note, Adam Driver when he was being interviewed, actually got up from the interview and walked out because he didn't want to hear himself. Really? He just got up and walked out. So thank you for staying with me. Yeah. It, but it's sitting with that discomfort. I think that's a muscle that I've definitely been able to develop. But kind of piggybacking off of that, perfectionism is a disease. It's like an epidemic. And outside of perfectionism is this messy imperfection and vulnerability and making mistakes and failing and getting back up. And I've just sat with my discomfort again and again and again, like, oh, I got to submit that. It's not perfect. What is perfect? I don't know. So I'm going to hold off. Nope. I'm just going to hit send and let it go and sit with my crap. It's being happy with continuous improvement. Yeah. I've always thought balance is just baloney. I I remember thinking that, and that's not the word you used, but the, the uh, uh, and I like your word better, but I've always looked at people that I admired mm -hmm. and people that I had a lot of respect for, and none of them had their balance, not one of them. And then I heard this great phrase, don't know who said it, 
they said it's the cracked ones who let in the light for the rest of us. Mm. And I think about all my favorite heroes. None of them are balanced. Now, some of them are healthy. So doing it in a healthy way, uh, striving for your goals. But I like this idea of courage. And you're not big either on the whole hustle and grind thing. Well, I find it interesting because I can, I'm a recovering hustler, I call myself, but I can be gritty. Like I can have grit if needed, but people don't understand this hustle and grind. It's like this all or nothing mentality and they completely forget about their needs and themselves. And a lot of women that I attract in my world and my coaching programs, um, the ones that listen to my podcast are (laughs) ambitious go-getters workaholics, right? If we're all like that, if we keep going and keep going, keep going. But when are you going to stop, right? It's not about wake up, go, 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 go. Okay, sleep. Sleep is for sissies. I've heard this too. Like all of these sayings. Awesome. Right. You can sleep when you're dead. Yeah. And you're going to probably die sooner because your body needs a rest. So when are you going to ask yourself, am I enough? Do I feel good? How do I want to feel? is the way that I feel right now in alignment. So I get, okay, there's three things that you need to do and you're just got to bang it out, right? You're like, it's going to be a long day. But if the next day is like that and the next day and you look back, you're like, wow, it's been six months. It's been a week and you're just burnt out and your body, this is the beauty. Your body is so intelligent. Your body is saying, stop, 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 right? I'll get clients that come to me and they'll tell me all their stressors. And, you know, we're trying to implement these strategies. And all of a sudden, I have a migraine. Oh, I've had a week of migraines. I'm like, listen to your body. You can go all you want. Your brain is going to say, go, 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 go. But if you're not listening, your body will say, I'm done. It's funny. That reminds me of another phrase I heard recently, which is, we think we have to do everything ourselves. And by the way, you have a phenomenal assistant who helped us get together. I know. (laughs) She's like, here's his address. Show up. And I was like, great. Brought one of the kids with me, get in the car. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to someone's house. This is amazing. I'm going to some dude's mom's house. Yeah. It's going to be great. This was legit. Yeah. Fantastic. But there's this great phrase, which is who, not how, which is ask, ask who should do it instead Mm -hmm. of, instead of how I get it done. I feel like too often we are such grinders. We're like, I'll do that. I'll do everything instead of who should do that, which is where the headache I think kind of comes from. I love this idea of alignment because if I I feel like Heather, if you're more aligned, then you, you're asking that type of question. Should I be doing this in the first place? Is this something I really, really need to pursue? Do I need to take every apple off this tree? Yeah. I definitely think there's levels to go through. And when I started delegating and quote unquote asking for help, which, you know, you have a a plate and you just put more and more. It's like you're going to a buffet. You're just putting more and more onto this plate. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, I should only be eating 10 percent of this anyways. Why am I putting everyone else's crap on my plate, too? So I started delegating and then I felt really guilty or, you know, it's not, I started micromanaging. So you do it slowly. You just simple strategy. Um, Recently, I said to my husband, I don't ever want to do dishes again. I don't want to do laundry. That's why you had kids. We have three children. They're 15, 10, and 7. And people (laughs) joke, but there's actually this woman I found online. I saw one of her Facebook ads and I don't even know her business, but she's getting like a plug here. And I think it was called the Freedom Mom. She said, I have nine children and I never do dishes. Because what is the cultural expectation? You must be so busy. No, 
They're self-sustaining. There's so many of them. They can help each other. It's not me helping all of them. We're doing this together. And so it's taken a while to rewire my brain, whether it's in my business or at home. But now I see myself as a leader and a coach. How can I empower you, help you, coach you, teach you to tie your own shoes? I don't have to do it for you. And the... (laughs) I don't know. The contrast of that is my children are wildly independent because they're like, I'm hungry. I'm getting a snack. I don't know. I want something. I'm going to make it happen or I'm going to ask for it. How my children pitch me and sell me on like certain things. I'm like, how are you going to make that happen? He's like, well, I have the plan right here. I'm like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So delegation is huge. But here's the thing. When you start delegating all these things, you got to sit with yourself and you're like, who am I if I'm not busy? Who am I if I'm not overwhelmed? Who am I if I'm not sick all the time? Ooh, then you got to figure that question out. But I think it's a journey. I mean, even sitting here just listening to you, I feel like it's a journey and I think we should start now. Yeah. Heather, thanks a ton for hanging out with us. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you more about what's coming up on the podcast. What do you have in the hopper? I'm writing a book. The book will be out in January. Awesome. So it's kind of piggybacking off of the TEDx talk, Dying to Be a Good Mother. I'm super excited about that. Delegating so much. And yeah, just podcasting three, sometimes four times a week, which is fun. Just things off the top of my head that come to me and probably lots more stuff. But I'm always on the podcast. And I will link to the podcast and your website, heatherchauvin.com, on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Hey there, trivia fans. It's Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I'm feeling rested and alert because I've been busy celebrating National Napping Day. You know, this reminds me of when I used to nap back in school. Back when I was 19 and a sophomore in high school, I woke up and these seventh graders had written this horrible permanent marker all over me. <laughs> those rascals. Those were the good old days. Oh, oh hey! <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious if I got Joe and OG to take a nap and then wrote on their foreheads? Ah, <laughs> yes. See, well-rested Doug comes up with all the best ideas. Huh. Uh, okay. Joe's mom has turkey in the fridge. We all know turkey makes you tired. Well, I go make turkey sandwiches for Joe and OG. Why don't you contemplate this trivia question? How about this? Before Thomas Edison invented the light bulb in 1879, nighttime sleep for the average American was nine hours per night. But that was then. This is now. How much sleep do Americans get on average per night today? I'll be back faster than you can take a power nap. Well, you've heard OG and I talk about this a lot, even when they weren't sponsoring the show. Masterclass. Masterclass lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. You can learn the art of negotiation from Chris Voss. I was studying comedy this morning with Steve Martin. Improve your cooking skills with Gordon Ramsay. Learn about scientific thinking, communication from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Over 75 exclusive classes taught by masters that you know and love. 
Masterclass is an app that you can get in your phone, your web, or Apple TV that offers classes in a wide variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters at the top of their fields. Here's what I like about it, OG. Not only have I taken these classes off Masterclass, they are so involving that they don't end with Masterclass. Like, it opens up this world to me that makes me go explore and look for more. And I end up that the master class is as much the beginning as it is the end. And the Steve Martin one, as an example, I've gotten so many ideas that I write down, oh, I need to study this next. I need to study some other thing next. I think it's one of those things. Who is the poet that said, the more you know, the less you know, right? That's what I love about Masterclass. I can dig in and learn just all the exciting avenues that are still open to me. So whether you're interested in TV writing, game design, investigative journalism, French pastry fundamentals, there's a Masterclass for you. You can explore the lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, the tablet, Apple TV, and a computer. Every lesson's about 10 to 15 minutes, so it's bite-sized. I did two uh, different ones this morning. What's also cool, by the way, is there's downloadable guides that come with the masterclass so that you can spend time on the areas that you really need to dig more into. The all-access pass, it's $180 a year. Single classes are $90. I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass and as a stacker, you'll get 15% off the annual all-access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash stacking. That's masterclass.com slash stacking for 15% off masterclass. Hey, trivia fans, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, over here. And who would have thought it would be so hard to get Joe and OG to take a nap. These guys were born to take naps. How am I supposed to prank them and write on their foreheads with a permanent marker if I can't get them to fall asleep? Joe's so busy talking and talking about these master classes that he hasn't even noticed the sandwich right next to him. It's a sandwich. Who can resist a sandwich? Okay, time for the backup plan. While I work that out, Let's see if you got today's trivia right. Question was this. Before Thomas Edison invented the light bulb in 1879, yada, 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 nighttime sleep for the average American was nine hours a night. How much sleep do Americans get on average per night today? Health experts recommend at least seven hours of sleep a night, but Americans are averaging just 6.8. Based on those averages, I should easily be able to put these guys down for a few extra Zs. Back to the drawing board. See ya. Big thanks to Heather for stopping by. I think it's so true, OG. See, some of these people that say grind, right? And I can sleep when I'm dead. And Heather's somebody that almost was dead. And if you don't pay attention to your health and if you don't manage your well-being, man, that's going to come back to bite you. And then you end up doing so much less. I'm reminded of the phrase, everybody should meditate 30 minutes a day, unless you're super busy, then two hours a day. <laughs> just to get rid of that. You know, one of the things that I started doing is just making sure that I get outside and do some walking, 30 minutes, just having that time where you're just kind of detached from stuff gives you the recharge that you need, you know, so going full throttle on everything kind of backfire sometimes. 
One of my favorite books is a book called The Power of Full Engagement, which is by Jim Lair and Tony Schwartz, two fantastic authors. And what they say is, you should think about yourself, OG, like a professional athlete. You know, professional athletes know there are times when they have to be on and times when they don't have to be on. And when they don't have to be on, that's when they're doing the really the heavy lifting, right? They're doing the very serious work. And then before the match or the race or whatever the event is, whatever their sport is that they play, they have a ritual to make sure that they get to peak energy level when they're there. And Lair and Schwartz say, athletes do that. Why don't business people do that, right? Before a big meeting, why don't you batch your big meetings so that they're at a certain time and then organize your diet and your training schedule around that so that you're able to manage your energy better? I found that so empowering and Heather's message dovetails right into that. Just fantastic. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Taking a nap in the middle of the day. You know how you take a nap in the middle of the day? You have three martinis at lunch. Is that how you do it? Is that how it works? That makes the afternoon go fantastically horrible. I found the older I get, by the way, while the idea of day drinking always sounds good, the once a year that I will partake in that, the more I realize what a, what a flipping mistake that is. It is your loved ones in time. And I'm sure applying for life insurance after the three martinis, not a great idea, but they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple over at Haven Life so you can spend more time doing those things that you love with people you love. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. They've made the application super simple. They've cut it to the key questions that need to be asked. No waiting several weeks for a decision. Lovely customer support. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Today, I'm taking a great question that we had in the basement a couple weeks ago. Oh, gee. This came from David. David said, tell me why I'm wrong. TQQQ is a broad 3X leveraged ETF that returns three times the gains and three times the losses of the index it tracks. If the market goes up given enough time, why wouldn't you buy that and hold it? The gains are absolutely cosmic since inception. The only risk I can see is if the index drops 33.3% a day, I lose everything. But that hasn't happened ever or even come close to happening. Tell David why that doesn't work. Well, the biggest answer to this is, number one, stay off of Reddit because that's where you got that from. I'm on there and I can see what you guys are doing on Reddit on Wall Street Bets board. Do not be following advice <laughs> on freaking Reddit, which is I'm going to buy a TQQQ. It only goes up and I make three times the money. Okay, so here's the answer to your question. The answer to your question is because it resets on a daily basis. So if you have a series of time, and granted, if you have a profound run-up in the bull market where, you know, nine out of 10 days, the market's going up, you're going to make money hand over fist. But if you have a couple of those days in a row, see a week ago where the market had two negative 3% days in a row, that is going to just destroy your portfolio faster than you can recreate it. So when if you had the opportunity to invest in it and it reset 
annually or reset every decade and you got three times the return? Well, of course that makes sense, right? You can look at it and say, well, I can buy it on January 1, 2010, sell it on December 31, 2019. I get 3X the return. That's fantastic. But because of the daily resets, the factor associated with, well, I got to wait for it to go down 33% and then I lose all my money. It can happen faster than that. Does that mean, OG, that practically, not exactly, I'm sure, but practically what we end up with with TQQQ is three times the volatility, but very similar returns over longer periods of time? Hmm. I think that's above my pay grade. I haven't really researched it enough to know the answer to that, but well, here's what I can tell you. Most people who invest in leverage funds lose money. They're not actually, and this is a mistake that, by the way, I made thinking about it. And luckily I researched this before I got into them because when they first came out, David, I wondered the same thing. I'm like, dude, here's the easy way to make a ton of money. Not the case. These products, OG, are not made for the average investor. They're made for institutional investors, big-time day traders who want to get out at the end of every day. They're made for those type of people. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're daily funds. These are short-term trade funds. You buy them at 10 in the morning. You sell it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. In fact, when they first came out, there was one of the things that was kind of disclosed at the beginning of it was never hold a leverage fund overnight because of the fact that it can gap down in the morning and now you're three X down on your open right away. You know, it can get pretty bad. Thanks David for that question that happened in the basement. But if you want to ask us directly head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Uh, if you want to join in the fun over on our Facebook group, it's a private group. You have to apply to get in, ask just a couple questions, like what's your social security number and the- <laughs> And your American Express card number, and as the, well as the expiration date. And your mother's middle name and where you met your spouse. Besides that, we don't ask any, we don't ask any of those questions. We just want to make sure people aren't going to spam our group. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash basement. And that's the quick way to get there instead of a long URL. That's going to do it for today. Hey, big thanks to everybody for hanging out with us. Thanks to people who have left us a review wherever they listen to the show. This is five stars from Crushing It in Esco. Listen if you must, the header says. The show is the right amount of finance and the right amount of stop being stupid with your money. I found myself laughing out loud on the commute to work or while walking the dog. Coincidentally enough, these are the only two times you're authorized to listen to these guys. I do say that a lot, don't I? If you're walking the dog around your community, yeah, I, I, I didn't think about that, Esco. Uh, you'll hear the same story again and again where they tell you to diversify your money, set it and forget it. We're our own worst enemies. Thanks for nothing, guys. Semper Fi. Thanks for that. Crushing it in Esco. Mom's got that one on the fridge today. She's very proud, OG. Very proud. Well, I am from a Marine, so it makes it even better. Last on this show, if you're looking for better financial help in your corner, and you want someone to, as our friend Roger Whitney says, walk life with you and your money, head to stackofbenjamins.com forward slash OG. I was just listening to Roger, so we're kind of noodle all these things that Roger says, like the word noodle. I don't know why we're talking about Roger, especially since some people listening to the show have no idea. Roger's been a frequent flyer here, though. Good guy, that Mr. Whitney, the retirement answer man. Anyway, stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG for more. What kind of ad is this anyway? I got no idea. <laughs>
What's happening? <laughs> we calling Roger or who are we calling? I just want to be sure. We're calling Ghostbusters. I don't know. Hey, that's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from your man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, I'm well-rested. I'm sharp. Even though I was napping, I paid attention to all of it, so I'll tell everybody what they should have learned. First, take a lesson from Heather Chauvine. When so many people talk about hustle, maybe it's time to slow down to understand what energizes you so you can be a better you. Second, take a lesson from Jeff Bezos. We can all earmark money that we make to causes we care about. You don't have to wait until you've made it to start giving to charitable causes, and it's easier than ever to invest in projects you believe in. But the big takeaway... Don't fall asleep in front of Joe's mom. I worked up such a sweat with my new plan to get Joe and OG to take a nap. I fell asleep and took a second nap in Joe's mom's rocking chair. (laughs) That woman wrote all over me with permanent marker. You do not want to know what she wrote either. You, You just look away. Okay, I admit some of it was kind of funny. But kind of gross. I mean, who tells jokes about horses in bars anymore? Special thanks to Heather Chauvine for stopping by the basement. You can learn more by heading over to heatherchauvine.com or check out her podcast, Mom is in Control. Oh, yes, she is. This show is created by Joe Saul Produced by Taylor Stevens and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Good friends of ours, Rick and Stella, gave us an AMC movie card. So we took advantage of that yesterday, Cheryl and I. Went to see this film that's been out for a few weeks, but that we hadn't seen. This one is called Call the Wild. The Yukon is a dangerous place. You never know what's coming. I came up here because I didn't want to be around anyone. And then I met.
was a dog like no other. He'd been spoiled. Out! Come on, Buck! And he'd suffered. Come on! But he could not be broken. I don't know where you came from, but I know where you are now. Welcome to the last place on the earth. I should let him have a minute. Buck, uh, through no fault of his own, ends up on his way to Alaska. Buck is the name of a dog owned by a judge in some nondescript town. Not really sure where it is. And I didn't read the book, Call of the Wild, so I'm not sure how true to the book this actually is. But it's the story of a dog and a bunch of adventures that the dog takes as uh, he heads into Alaska during the time of the Alaskan gold rush. That was the voice of Harrison Ford that you heard there. He's by far the most uh, famous person in this film, the most recognizable character. There's there's quite a few other characters that you've seen in other places, but by far Harrison Ford is who they're marketing along with this CGI dog. By the way, the CGI, not just from the dog, but the other animals, done really well. There were only a couple times, OG, during this movie that I thought, eh, that definitely looks a little computery, you know? For the most part, I thought that it was straight ahead. I also wasn't sure, you know, being a 39-year-old guy, that this would be a movie that would be a great movie for date day, Cheryl and I, on a Tuesday afternoon. And it starts off very campy. When the dog steps on the floor, everything in the house shakes in a way that it wouldn't shake if a dog stepped on the floor and the dog does some crazy stuff that, okay, maybe the dog would do it, but it's not as, as comical. And at first I thought, man, this is really a film that is um, the definition of a old time Walt Disney family movie. That said, it follows through on that. There is a graphic scene, a very sad scene at the end that young kids might not like, but oh gee, this is a great family movie. I mean, I can see why afterwards I looked at the Rotten Tomato score. I think it's 94, 95% of people that went to see it like it. Even critics gave it a right tomato and for a for a movie that is this campy and this um family-ish. I guess I wouldn't have expected it to get such strong reviews. I would tell you, if you're having movie rental night at the house, call the wild. If it's just you, you and a date, or you and the kids, is a great film to watch. Okay, I'll put it on the list. We're always looking for stuff like that that's easy to digest. I actually think this is one of the few. It's that or like Expendables 3. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. These days, I <laughs> I think this is I think this is one of those movies that you'll actually will go see it. I think you actually will see this movie with the kids. Um, okay, it's yeah, yeah. I know the OG kids, and they would like this movie. All right. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law Eric who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond 
Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.